Oh, what's cracking, lovely people? Welcome back to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. Thank you for giving me some of your time, your ears, for prioritising this simple little show. And look, I hope you find it useful. And if you do, then please share it with someone. It's the only way the show will grow. You can like it on uh, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Spotify by uh, subscribing, by leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts, especially that really helps rating and review. Um, so that would be absolutely brilliant. Really, really good stuff. And the show is supported by 33 Fuel. These guys have been with me from the start. Um, they've been helping me with the show for oh, two, three years now. The founders live down the road and they produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. Um, you can get 10% off your first order by using MAP10 at checkout. Attack the day, they're a little bit, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're newer. Um, and, I'm, and I met their uh, founders, Sam and Rory, oh God, a few years ago at a run club I used to help out with. And these guys produce um, outdoor clothing. So they're a London-based lifestyle and clothing brand. Um, and you can get 20% off by using Matt20 at checkout. Um, I've got one of their beanies, one of their long sleeve tees, pretty solid gear. And 33 Fuel use their greens powders, I use their chia seed energy gels and their protein bars. Um, I'll use their energy drink, their natural energy drink when I'm uh, running, refueling, all that kind of stuff. I've drank their protein powders in the past. Um, so I do actually use their products um, and I like what they do and I hope you find something useful. So look, today, lovely people, it's a little bit different. If you're listening to this, you probably are a um, yeah a good supporter of the show because I haven't shouted about it too much online. It's quite a specific topic as well. So you might be a coach or a practitioner um, or just generally interested in the conversation all around supporting uh, blood sugar, um, pre-diabetes, and I'm really looking forward to getting into this one. So I'm going to go into uh, my role as a health coach working for a private healthcare company at the moment, um, a digital health coach role. I'm just going to paint the picture of an initial consultation first. So within this role, I have roughly 45 minutes to get to know the person. Um, so I'm trying not to use the word patient or user, you know, get to know the person, keep it at a human level. Um, and I'll take you through that. So my thought processes, how I like to conduct a com- consultation, how I like to uh, understand as much as I can about the person, because obviously we've just met. They've been referred to me um, through our various means. It could be GP. It could be an online risk score. Um, it could be through Facebook and then they've found the company that I work for um, and, uh, you know, they've followed a few lines through there. They've chosen me as a coach and then boom, we just meet each other on a video call. So I hope you find this useful. Um, please reach out if you've got any questions and comments and um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the show. Here we go. So right, just to set the scene and step back a little bit, if you're new to the show or you're not too sure um, what I do as a, as a job, um, I do a few things, but in relation to the conversation I'm going to have today, it's more of a health coach role. So my background, I suppose, um, I'm a sports nutritionist by trade. That's where I started. So I did an undergrad in sports and exercise science. Um, I did various postgrads, uh, one in... Um, I think it was a a diploma by, uh, they're now called the Institute of Performance Nutrition. They used to be called Guru Performance. So I've done a sports nutrition uh, postgrad. I've also done something called naturopathic nutritional therapy. Um, So that was over three years as well. So a bit in uh, the kind of uh, alternative medicine space, as you'd maybe call it, um, with nutritional therapy working in there. Um, And then that led me into private healthcare. 
So I've been working in private healthcare um, initially for Nuffield Health, oh God, for two or three years as a nutritional therapist, and then previously working in the health and fitness industry as a as a, a performance nutritionist, working in professional sport, in endurance sport. Luckily to work with a, a few athletes in the community in London um, with North Face, and um, previously to that in rugby union. And um, yeah, that was where basically where I started my career. So started as a sports nutritionist or performance nutritionist, whatever you call it. Uh, retrained in something called nutritional therapy and I was quite fortunate to most of my 20s work in um, yeah I suppose you can call it private healthcare yeah it is private healthcare um, mostly for Nuffield Health um, so seeing well a lot of the worried well people wanting to lose body fat um, wanting better cognitive performance at work they might have you know slightly slightly raised levels of uh, things like uh, cholesterol or um, you know a few markers like that liver enzymes and things like that and they're basically just trying to get on top of their health um, they've got all the means to be able to do it they'll see a physiologist they'll see a GP and then sometimes they'll come in and see me uh, you know in terms of the nutrition side of things um, but this health coach role that I'm going to talk about today is slightly different um, so I'll, I'll use the word patient, Paul. Uh, well, I'll use the word patient just now, but I'll obviously just refer them because, you know, at the end of the day, it's normal people, isn't it? Um, and they they come to me basically after having, generally having a HbA1c uh, blood sugar test. So that simply is a three-month marker. They look at your kind of average uh, blood sugar score over three months. And um, on the kind of Diabetes uh, UK website, the normal level is seen at below 42 millimolar and pre-diabetes is between 42 and 47. So the people that see me through uh, this uh, this private healthcare company that I work with get referred, like I said before, they generally have, well, majority of them have um, a, a blood sugar score between 42 and 47. So I'm quite busy with the role. I support almost 100 uh, people a week in this health coach role. Um, I really, really enjoy it. Um, it's, it takes a lot of focus, dedication, but yeah, I'm fortunate that so many of them do engage. Um, and today I'm just gonna discuss a little bit about what I do in an initial consultation. Um, and yeah, where does a health coach place? A health coach, if you step back and think about it, so they help you kind of co-create a lifestyle prescription. Uh, so it's supporting um, new lifestyle choices, basically, and um, trying to overcome resistance to change and things like that. You know, it's easy to say we're going to overcome all of these barriers and do all these things. And don't worry, we're going to, you know, support your blood sugar through lifestyle means, etc. But obviously it's it's harder than it sounds um, but if you think a health coach with um, will work alongside a GP so it's not my role to test anyone's blood sugar it's not my role to diagnose any test results and um, it's not right my role to listen to symptoms and and diagnose any of those so the GP um, and um, you know whoever else is involved in that a nurse sometimes you know they will look after the medical side and then my health coach role I'm here to support the lifestyle side. So I'm quite fortunate to have variety, variety loads of touch points in this role um, with, with these people who have pre-diabetes. I won't go into all of the follow-up touch points today, um, but I'm just going to mention a little bit about the initial consultation, the initial time uh, that we meet together, and then a few of my thought processes. So I think if you're a coach listening to this, I hope you find it useful. 
if you're a fellow health coach or if you you are a performance nutritionist thinking about the health side of things or you're a nutritional therapist then yeah i hope you find this episode useful or if you're just an interested party you might have a family member who's got raised blood sugar levels you might have a family member who's got pre-diabetes or diabetes so um, i'm going to open my toolbox up today and um, yeah i hope you find it useful and i hope that makes sense from where the uh, the health coach is placed um, there's obviously a variety these days of um, places where you can train to become health coach i'm not going to pretend to be an expert at where the best places are i know they're year-long courses and things to do that um, but to give you a bit of a background you know for, for what i've done rooted in performance nutrition worked in private healthcare for four or five years, three years undergrad. Um, I've done one, two, three, four, I've done five years, no, sorry, two years postgrad and then a three-year diploma, um, which I suppose you could see as a postgrad, but I spent seven years studying, um, you know, a variety of courses and working in private healthcare for four or five years. And that's how I've landed this health coach role with various other things that I've uh, dug into, um, some of it being motivational interviewing technique based, which I find fascinating. Um, So that's a little bit of background into how I got into it, but then you can go and study some of these health coach courses, but I'm not gonna go into those today. I will will attach the UK Health Coaches Association um, link in the show, um, if that's something you're interested in, but right let's dive in so um i connect with the with the person uh, through a video call they literally land in front of me they've just been told um well not just been told maybe it's been a couple of weeks or maybe uh, a couple of months after they've had this blood sugar measurement and then they can get access to a health coach so many people obviously don't really understand what that means they've still got their gp like i said for testing um, for monitoring anything else um, from the medical side but then you know they've chosen me they're plonked in front of me and then we start to have a bit of a conversation um, so after kind of uh, settling them down um, you know coming across in quite coming across in quite a relaxed manner hoping that the, that the tech side of things you know the video um, and the sound and everything works really well I basically explain uh, my side of the of 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 things um, like I've told you guys I'm here to support with the lifestyle side of things so that's uh, nutrition um, physical activity and exercise uh, sleep hydration um, and then we're going to come up with a way to kind of co-create um, certain changes um, and certain choices for this person um, that we think together are going to have high impact um, that not only are going to be simple to implement straight away but then hopefully um, they can be consistent with over quite a long time three six nine months and then beyond so it's initially about me completely understanding that person obviously different coaches have different ways of conducting a consultation obviously i want to know what is your long-term goal and the majority of the time is obviously to support my blood sugar but others might say something like weight loss is a priority which we'll get into Um, or they might say look i really think it's my nutrition um, or they might say, actually, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm eating uh, better or, you know, I think I've got a handle on my nutrition and it's really digging into a bit of an exercise routine. And quite a lot, they have no clue. They have no clue. They know about carbohydrates. They know about sugar in foods. They might have been told things like cut out fruit or cut out sugar in tea and coffee and things like that. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of decision fatigue, a lot of decision fatigue. So once we're settled, 
Um, I just like to find out exactly um, what this person does um, through a typical day. And um, some might work night shifts, some might have been laid off, um, some might be supporting uh, family members, um, some might have busy households, both working full time, kids, things like that. So obviously you start to understand what's happening there, what's going on in terms of their life load. Um, are they leaving the house for work or family or to support a loved one um, or are they working from home? So you generally start to understand that a little bit. And then I really like to kind of dig into, right, when the alarm goes off with this person, What's the first thing that they do? Talk me through your morning routine. So do they get up? Do they go to the kitchen to make a hot drink? Um, or are they making breakfast? Are they rushing around? What exactly are they doing? Are they taking a dog out? Are they getting themselves ready? Are they helping with other members in the household? What kind of time is this? What's their go-to? Um, you know, will they have a hot drink or will they have a meal or will they just literally get out and go? So I'm really trying to understand and visualize what they're doing pottering around at home. You know, I might even go into the um, detail of, look, you know, do you put shoes and socks on inside or do you walk around barefoot? Um, what's the first beverage that you have? What kind of time do you start eating and drinking? Um, and that might mean that I'll then go into, okay, once I've started to get a few things, why don't you give me a typical day um, after the first kind of half an hour of your waking up? What do you do in terms of food and drink? Um, and it's always going to be general. So I might say, what's a typical day in the week? And then what's a typical day at the weekend so you start to get a feel of what someone's doing and i'll listen for okay what's generally going on the plate in inverted commas at breakfast i'll start thinking a little bit about food groups where they're getting this food from are they making it themselves is someone else making it are they outsourcing it is it on the go are they sitting down and eating eating it um, taking their time or are they rushing around what's hydration been like through the morning um, what are their hunger levels like if they are someone who has a breakfast to lunch are they eating in between or are they busy or are they not hungry at all um, and then we get into obviously middle of the day what happens are they away at work are they at home what kind of size of meal do they have what do they generally put in to their meal um, at the middle of the day so little things like that so I've basically been building through the morning and starting to understand the flow of the first part of their day um, if they want to obviously let me know at that stage around exercise and activity um, how much walking are they doing um, are they on their feet at all during the morning or are they sitting sedentary with work or just at home um, or have they got some structured some planned exercise in there um, and then we move into the afternoon. So what's happening there? Um, I really try and dial in on what they're eating and drinking between the lunchtime um, and the evening. You know, what are they doing? Are they then traveling home? Um, have they got other things they have to deal with? Children, partners, um, older family members? Um, or what are they doing at home? Are they restricted in their movement in terms of their health? Or uh, are they going places? Are they starting to now socialize and do stuff now the world's opened up? And then what are they doing for their evening meal generally? Who makes it? What goes on the plate? Um, what do they generally have? Do they plan days before? Do they literally just uh, consider what to have a few hours before and then put it together? Or do they outsource it? 
And then what happens later into the evening? Is there any activity? Um, are they walking around? Is there any kind of planned exercise or are they settling in at home? What are they doing at home? Um, are they watching TV? Are they reading? What's their screen use like? And then what are they generally doing leading into going to bed? So what's their sleep hygiene like? What are they doing a few hours before bed? Um, you know, screen use, uh, food and drink, um, any kind of stimulants or alcohol, things like that. Um, and then, you know, what's their sleep generally like? When do they go to bed? When do they wake up? Do they sleep through? So I'm kind of playing detective in this initial consultation. Um, obviously, it's a lot of information for someone to get across, but there'll be little bits in there where we might pull out things that we may think are important. So someone can't quite get on top of their hunger levels um, or they might be reaching for something sweet or after they've been telling me some of the things that they've been doing food-wise, they step back and think, wow, you know what, actually, I didn't really realise I was having that extra snack or I didn't really think about um, what I was drinking with my uh, with my food, if they're adding a fizzy drink or if they're adding a, a, an orange juice or something or if they're adding uh, a bottle of beer after work or something like that. So you're really just trying to understand the overall picture. Um, and then... There's little bits in there where you start to then maybe have a conversation around, okay, um, after you telling me all this, knowing your goal, supporting blood sugar or weight loss or trying to manage um, the amount someone's eating or trying to add some planned exercise in there. I then step back as a health coach and I think, okay, right. Um, and I'm not going to go into any follow-ups or anything like this today and what we do after, but framing the outcome of the initial consultation that we have we're looking to organise what can we get done on a weekly basis and what are some of the parts of the day that you could evolve and why. So we then start to co-create together. So if we're starting with exercise and activity, um, we could consider uh, steps during the day, for example, um, or trying to break up uh, patterns of sedentary behaviour. Um, so there's that brilliant concept of your next position is your best position. So um, how can people uh, stand up and just not be sat? You know, how can we reduce optional sitting through the day? It's not always easy, of course, with uh, full time work or they might work somewhere where um, activities being restricted as well due to covid or they might be at home with um, you know movement impairment or things like that or they might not enjoy it they might not enjoy moving so there's obviously a lot of things you have to go through and talk about but we're trying to then set up okay on a daily basis how can we support that concept of your next position is your best position how can we reduce optional sitting in some parts of the day could we talk about step count um, is there an opportunity for planned exercise? What would that be? Can we consider it anything at conversation pace where we know, um, you know, that might support the ability to be consistent with it because it's not as taxing on energy levels. It's not as taxing on the immune system. Most people could choose to walk um, indoors or outdoors around the house, around the area. Some might have some exercise equipment at home, keeping things at conversation pace. And then others who feel like they want to push the system a bit more might say, actually, I used to do these classes or I used to do this strength training in the park or I used to do X, Y, Z. So we'll come up with, um, you know, a bit of a framework for, OK, roughly what would uh, 
the kind of minimum effective dose for you in terms of planned exercise B on a weekly basis. So let's set that when, what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. And then in terms of steps, daily activity, trying to um, basically build the number of active hours. So you're never going to get it perfect unless you've got a step counter. But an active hour is roughly 250 steps. But we're just trying to get people to move a little bit more. So we might plan on a few things in there. Um, so that's the physical activity side of things, the daily movement and then the planned exercise side of things. Um, and then my role as a health coach, you know, I'm not going into the reps, the sets. I'm not designing a training program for them. I'm thinking how often, what intensity, what's the outcome, what's the duration. And we're just literally discussing, could you get this in? And if we're going to review after today, I'd love to hear how you're getting on with it. Obviously, if they then go to a gym um, or they have a personal trainer or they follow workouts online or whatever it is, usually, obviously, because I'm seeing so many people on mass, we're, um, we're just looking at the parameters of uh, planned exercise rather than going into the minutiae detail of what muscle groups being worked, how many reps are they doing, um, how are we going to support their training program to build up to a 5K we're obviously pointing them in certain directions to consider uh, duration, intensity, and then we're going to review on a weekly basis what's been done. Then anything outside of that, you're obviously generally looking to outsource to a fitness professional, or they might already have something that they enjoy that they know um, how to do, what to do. I'm just speaking to this person obviously through a screen. I've never met them. Um, I've never done any kind of movement assessment on them. Um, I've, I know a bit about their health history, but ugh, I can basically just see um, from shoulders up as well. So I, I can't see anything in terms of their body composition. Yes, I might have weight waist measurement, but that's it. So that's from a uh, planned exercise and a physical activity standpoint. Um, a huge one because the majority of the people I work with are... Um, roughly between 40 and 70 years old. Um, I don't know if it is a generation thing, but so many of them just run dry like, you know, like camels and cactuses. They, they don't consume too much water um, and a lot of them don't like water. So we're trying to obviously consider um, some, some small wins around more fluids um, into the body. So that's something that, that we discuss. So a hydration goal is a massive one. Um, and I usually frame it by saying like, look, we know hydration supports um, feeling fuller for longer. Often people mistake hunger for, for, for you know, needing water. We know water lubricates joints. Um, you know, we, 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 we know uh, water will support energy levels, decision making, cognition, all of these things. And I think people realise it's a healthy behaviour, but um, we just have to figure out how to get it in and how to do it. Um, so some of, the, some of the tactics there we consider... Uh, having a glass of water or something when they first wake up, wake and hydrate, or having a glass of water with each hot drink. Um, a lot, a lot of the people I work with are drinking reams of tea or coffee. So how could you get a glass of water in there? How could you get one with the main meal? Could you flavour it? Um, a little bit of sugar-free squash, um, or you could go with uh, fizzy water, or sometimes. You know, at a push, they might even add things to their water, mint, um, you know, lemons, berries, things like that. Um, any which way, really, I can get more fluids in. Um, and, and that's something that we'll have a conversation around. So building up to six to eight glasses would be amazing. But even just someone having two or three, even better. The ones that are very compliant um, and they really want to make a, 
you know a, a huge change and they purchase water water bottles and they want to carry it around sometimes we'll put little um you know markers on the water bottles or even alarms on their phones or things like that and they're things that will set up so there's quite a few tools and tactics there of how to increase water intake through the day and then again i'm not going to go into the follow-up stuff today but we'll review we'll review water intake you know i'll ask a quick question you know where's your water intake at especially uh, for the first two thirds of the day talk to me a little bit about that and, and let me know how you're getting on especially if you're leaving the house and you're very busy how are things going from a hydration point of view so discuss movement discussed hydration um, and then from the nutrition side there's a few things i'll consider um, that might support blood sugar um, and blood sugar regulation generally um, and there's uh, yeah there's there's far more uh, resources online there's some fantastic podcasts that i'll link to to go into the minutiae of detail around the mechanistic level for some of these things um, alan flanagan's a great one to follow um, for a lot of this work i'll link this um, i'll link some of his work with danny lennon and sigma nutrition radio uh, to this pod for people to follow and listen to if they really want to get into things on a mechanistic level um, but i'll consider straight away the three t's total type and timing so we'll have a conversation around portion size we'll have a conversation on generally what they're putting on their plate and we'll have a conversation around the timings of their meals if we're starting with their day in general most of the people i work with they have quite a low protein breakfast so i'm thinking protein can potentially support satiety we know protein rich foods might empty from the stomach slower so that's called gastric emptying time and then we're considering a balanced plate of food in general more variety of foods could mean uh, more fiber um, more whole foods means someone might have to chew for longer higher protein i don't know many people who overeat very high protein rich foods either so if i'm considering a total standpoint we can change some of the types of foods that one might help people feel fuller for longer that two might help with the blood sugar response um, and then three it just gets people to consider how to build a plate of food putting something protein rich on on the plate first and building out from there i generally find breakfast takes a longer conversation to try to figure out especially with people between the ages of 40 and 70 this is just in my experience lunchtime and evening meals are usually a lot easier but there's a lot of to and fro to try to consider to get more protein into someone's breakfast um and the conversation around having breakfast at all it's a massive area um, it's a really interesting area it's an area that i know um, a chap called dr bubs has gone into um, in a few of his podcasts and episodes which i'll link to as well so you can look at that from a mechanistic point of view um, but i do find generally um, that quite a lot of people i work with who have pre-diabetes who are uh, very overweight who struggle with energy levels um, who struggle with cravings a lot of them generally don't consume breakfast so we try to think about in the first part of the day how we can incorporate a uh, a breakfast meal um, and that is from a reason of some interesting research around this kind of second meal phenomenon so there's some research around how if someone's eating a breakfast meal and then a lunchtime meal the blood sugar response after the lunchtime meal is more favorable than someone having just a lunchtime meal and fasting through the morning it's not going to work for everyone and obviously 
this is something that I've read in a certain sample size through a certain amount of studies. It's not going to be absolutely unanimous across, you know, the entire, the entire, um, I keep wanting to call them patients, the entire people that I'm working, you know, that, that, that kind of, let's just call them client pool that I'm working with. Um, but it is something to consider. It's something for us to try to frame how can we start the day with more of a balanced plate of food and looking at some of this research, piggybacking on it, would we get a more favorable blood sugar response through the day if we worked on breakfast, lunch and dinner rather than starting lunch and then snacking all the way until late in the evening? So um, I'm considering breakfast, um, one, obviously, to uh, think about that second meal from phenomenon for the blood sugar response, to have a more favorable blood sugar response in the afternoon. Um, and two, just getting people to think about starting their day with more of a balanced plate of food, something that has a little bit more protein in it. And could that help them feel fuller for longer through the day? Um, and we do also know from a timing point of view, it seems like it um, that we do, or again, from the research and the people that they've tested in some of these studies and things, that um, we might uh, be able to deal with carbohydrates a lot better during the day. So our blood sugar responses and the way that we utilize carbohydrates through the day, if we're consuming them when the sun's up, when we're moving around, um, there's some fantastic information around chrononutrition. So how, um, you know, the diet intersects our body clocks, um, our, our kind of internal body clocks, um, all around different types of tissues. Um, we have this master clock as well. Uh, the research is all around this thing called chrononutrition. Um, so we're thinking about um, timing of carbohydrate rich foods, um, thinking about implementing a breakfast, if it works for that person, um, because of the second meal phenomenon to support blood sugar regulation, because potentially we might deal um, with carbohydrates a little bit better during the day. These are the kinds of conversations that I'll be having in my own head um, when I'm speaking to someone. We don't have to go into that detail during the consultation, but they're the things I think about. And also just trying to educate someone around how to create a balanced plate of food with a protein source on it, um, with a starch-based carbohydrate source on it, so the veg that grow below the ground, uh, rice, pasta, potatoes, uh, bread, all that kind of thing. And then with uh, fruit or veg that grow above the ground and salad leaves. So how can we then create a balanced plate of food with each of those components, um, obviously including a little bit of fat as well, um, at each meal through the day? Um, and potentially, I'm in more favour of discussing a breakfast meal and a lunchtime meal that's more balanced. One, because of this second meal phenomenon, and two, because these, you know, we might be able to... Um, utilize and, and deal with carbohydrates a little bit better during the day um, and uh, three around the kind of hunger standpoint so keeping someone feeling fuller for longer through the day um, discussing how if they'd like to kind of manage calories minimize snacking how can we get a uh, a main meal um, you know in the first part of the day at lunch and in the evening how can we get that right so so someone can feel confident um, that they're organizing a plate of food that plate of food might obviously vary day to day but that could then um, from from a uh, blood sugar point of view help things from a hunger point of view and a total amount of calories help things and if we're framing and we're front loading food more during the day you know could that help from a metabolic health point of view from a blood sugar point of view if they're trying to minimize 
larger meals with with a higher carbohydrate content in the evening and in the later evening the majority of these people that i work with you know they do have the habit of snacking late that could be through emotional eating uh, that could be through um, the way their day set up they might feel hungry they might have all these things around when they get back in from work or a partner might influence them or whatever um, but some of the key things i do like to discuss is how can we maybe front load some of these carbohydrates a bit more how can we think about your next position is your best position how can we think about protein intake and how can we think about hydration um, so there there's some of the key components um, from my point of view, acting as a health coach that I'll consider uh, to start to support blood sugar regulation um, when I first meet someone. So um, that hopefully has made sense. And um, yeah, if you guys have any questions or comments there, then let me know. Um, but when when we do finish the consultation, we're always trying to consider together. Um, so myself and the person that, I, that I've just started work working with, what are you then going to go away and do on a weekly basis? So what does the planned exercise look like if there is any? Or are we still just at the physical activity level, increasing steps, reducing optional sitting? Your next position is your best position. Um, what are we considering in terms of hydration on a daily basis? We'll then set a daily goal for hydration. Um, what are we considering on a on a nutrition basis so um, obviously it's not going to be down into the minutiae of meal planning and calories um, not straight away anyway but just some of these um, habits that we could form that we know could potentially help with blood sugar front loading carbohydrates through the day potentially consuming a breakfast if they're not to support that second meal phenomenon considering protein intake um, also I didn't go into it in too much detail but obviously any of the vegetables that grow above the ground a uh, variety of fruits whole grains things that have fiber in them fiber content is seems to be um, associated with supporting blood sugar levels um, converting someone over from potentially if they do consume majority of their fats from a saturated fat point of view so processed baked goods, um, you know, uh, lo- you know, low quality meat intake, um, lots of cheese, um, you know, fatty cuts of meat, things like that. If they have a very low, um, unsaturated fat intake, so olive oil, nuts and seeds, a little bit of oily fish. Um, things like walnuts um, we can now get these products obviously like chia seeds and flax seeds and things like that how can we integrate more unsaturated fat into someone's diet um, so from the nutrition standpoint we're thinking protein level fiber content unsaturated fat favoring over saturated fat um, and then from a uh, exercise and activity level can we plan what someone's going to do on a weekly basis? Can we consider duration? Can we consider intensity? And then what are they doing from a physical activity point of view on a daily basis? So all in all, that person might leave with hopefully not more than four or five action points. And they might be around a variety of these pillars. So if the pillars are nutrition, physical activity, planned exercise sleep hydration we might move one or two out on hydration we might move one or two out on nutrition and we might move one out on planned exercise 
and then in the follow-up um we then get back together um and uh, i'll contact them um through this uh, app that i use for this business that i work for and as a health coach i will literally reach out and ask them how they're getting on with some of the components that we discussed what's worked well what hasn't worked well what do we really need to focus on this week what needs evolving do we think these goals are working for them do we need to change them and then we go from there so there's a lot of information in there lovely people um it's a show that i've wanted to do for a while um i'm really passionate about this area of work so um basically co-creating a lifestyle prescription together with someone who um you know on paper is pre-diabetic because they've had a blood sugar measurement between 42 and 47 and how alongside a gp can a health coach support lifestyle choices um consider any barriers um, and hopefully help that person overcome things and then the gp's role is obviously around blood sugar testing diagnosing any symptoms and supporting from a medical point of view so i hope you find this interesting and um, thanks again for listening to the pod and i'll speak to you soon cheers